Hi, thank you for tuning in to the Finding Harmony podcast with me, your host, Harmony Slater. Hello, and welcome to the Finding Harmony podcast. I'm so happy you're here. I want to introduce you to our guest today, Vivian Simon. I am on my way to Germany, to Munich, Germany, where actually Vivian was born. Her family had a farm in Bavaria, which is the area where the city of Munich uh, resides. And so she was brought up in Germany and lived there until she moved to Tenerife. And that's where we met was when I was teaching in Tenerife earlier this year. And I have some very exciting news. I will be back at the Purple Valley Retreat Center in Tenerife in March of 2024. So you can find that link here in the show notes and also on my website. I'll be teaching two weeks. So you can come to both weeks or one week. It's up to you, but I would recommend coming to two weeks because we're going to do a deep dive into conscious uh, yoga education. And so if you're a yoga teacher or a yoga practitioner who's been practicing for a really long time, this is going to be the retreat for you. It's going to be a type of yoga mentorship where you'll be practicing with me and learning directly from me for both weeks or you can again as i said come to one week at a time but it's designed to comprehensively deepen your personal practice while giving you new skills and techniques to teach and support others through the practice. So even if you're not a full-time yoga teacher, but maybe you have other people in your life that you want to introduce to the practice of yoga, or you just want to support them in a way that feels more integrated and more aligned, or even just be more emotionally available for the people in your life, this will be the week for you. We are going to go deep, diving into... Uh, the first week, which is an essential mentorship week, and then the second week is called the emergent mentorship. And each day you'll have your personal practice, but we'll be growing your understanding of yoga both on and off the mat. And you'll also be uh, taking afternoon workshops and classes on how to hold an inclusive and trauma-informed space for your students or your loved ones. I'm bringing all of the teachings that I've been learning through life coaching, spiritual wellness coaching, and personal development and bringing them into this mentorship program so that we can go beyond the physical postures. Of course, there will be teaching around the physical postures and how to assist and adjust different postures or how to help your students in these postures. But it's going to go so much deeper than that because... To me, yoga isn't really about the postures. It's really about the relationships that we're forming as a teacher to our students or with our students. And we need to be able to hold this relationship in a really safe and compassionate space with a beautiful heart-centered approach where we are allowing them to really experience the beauty and the perfection of who they truly are. And so... I don't want to create the kind of environment in my yoga classes where students are feeling like they need to live up to some standard or that they're not good enough or that they're letting me down in some way or that they're disappointing themselves or or their teacher in some way. I don't feel that this is this kind of environment is cultivating a healthy uh, healing space. And so 
we're going to talk about all kinds of deeper things and deeper patterns that the asana can bring up and how to really help facilitate and um, support someone to see their patterns and to also integrate them through awareness, through acceptance, through loving kindness, through self-compassion and radical self-love. Um, so I hope that you'll join me. And that's actually how I met Vivian was at the workshop I was teaching um, up north in, on, in Tenerife. And so Vivian and I have all kinds of interesting intersections. Um, I met her first back in 2017 when she was practicing in Munich. And that was my first visit to Munich when Michael Chabot was teaching at the Ashtanga Yoga Spirit uh, Munich or Ashtanga Spirit Munich, uh, that program that I'm actually coming to teach at again now that's led by Asta Kaplan, who we also have a podcast with. If you want to tune into that one, you can dive into that beautiful podcast with Asta. We also have a podcast with Michael Shabort as well. I can link those in the show notes. So lots there for you to dive into and listen to. But Vivian herself has such an incredible story. She came to the practice um, not really with any expectations. She didn't know anything about Ashtanga or yoga, really. She was just looking for something to do um, that would help her to feel better in her life that would help to change her mental affect. She was feeling um, very down, very depressed. She was in a very abusive relationship, a lot of negativity and negative patterns in her life. And she came to the practice looking to change some of those things. It's just such an amazing story because her body changed drastically. And She's now an authorized teacher. She's been to Mysore several times. Um, she's leading and guiding her own Mysore program now in Tenerife on the island. And um, she's just integrated into this beautiful community of Ashtanga Yoga. She also has her own podcast as well with a friend of hers that I was... Um, featured on recently. It's called My Sorando, and it's all in Spanish, but she, with my episode, I believe she released both an English and a Spanish version, um, but it's a beautiful podcast, so if you are uh, Latin, you speak Spanish, definitely tune in to My Sorando um, and enjoy, and her website is Mysore Tenerife. So there's a few beautiful uh, Mysore programs on this gorgeous island of Tenerife. It's an amazing paradise. Oh my gosh. I forget how many microclimates it has, but it has something like 20 or 30 different microclimates on this island. It's got a volcano. It has like ferns and rainforest kind of um, area. And then it has beaches and desert area. It's really, really incredible. Um, so I would encourage you to definitely put Tenerife on your uh, places that you want to visit. You can attend Mysore programs all over the island with amazing, incredible teachers that I love. Three women who are near and dear to my heart. Uh, I love them so much. Lucio Fernandez Martin. So she has a Mysore program there as well as Griselda. 
and of course Vivian and so I'm just thrilled to introduce you to Vivian and so you can hear her story her journey um, and go visit these three wonderful women while you're on Tenerife and I hope that you'll come practice with me as well next year in March of 2024. So let's get going without further ado. Hi, welcome to the Finding Harmony podcast. I'm your host, Harmony, and I'm here today with Russell Case. Oh, good morning. Hi, and we are joined by the ever-lovely Vivian Simone or Simon. Simone? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's how I always like to say Simon. <laughs> <laughs> how do you how do you pronounce it in German? I guess it'd be German, right? Yes. So it's Simon. 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 Yes. Not Simon. I didn't say. <laughs> you did. You said. I that. said it correct the first time. No. Then Simon. Yeah, Simon. Yeah, you said. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty yeah. close. What yeah. I know, Simon, is, it's like in Spain. It's they they put the the intonation at the O, and in German it's on the uh, I. It's Simon. 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 <laughs> yeah. Sim Simon, Simon, who was like Paul. Paul? Paul became Simon. Oh, Paul became Simon. No, Simon became Paul. Simon became Paul. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the Bible. In the Bible, he, um, yes. a late evangelist. Yes. Yeah. He, was, yeah. he had a transformational experience where he was blinded seeing Jesus on the path. A, uh, but Jesus in the past on the path. Yeah, yeah, the because uh, he was, he was image. long dead. Yeah, it was the image. Yeah, yeah. Okay. The... Anyway, did you see Jesus on the path yet, <laughs> Vivian? I have not. Oh, okay. Well, I'm sure soon, you've seen some sadhus on your soon, path, though. In someday, you'll come to us and say that your name is Vivian Paul, and <laughs> I th I think you're on the show today to tell us about the dangers of moving to tropical islands. How destructive that is to one's family life. <laughs> is that right? Is that what we're talking about today, ladies? Yes. Oh, that's volcanoes yes, and tropical islands. Doesn't sound very nice. We we went to go see Margaritaville, and the same exact thing happened. It was. I was actually. We were there just a few week or last week weekend. Yep. Last weekend. And, yeah. Um, I was thinking immensely of Tenerife because in this musical that's all built around Jimmy, Jimmy Buffett, Buffett. Jimmy Buffet. Or Buffet, yeah. <laughs> depending mm. on the pronunciation. <laughs> um, all of his music, they are on a tropical island and the volcano blows. And I was like, oh, oh my yeah. goodness, I'm so glad that didn't happen when I was on Tenerife. That's right. <laughs> So, I, I, well, I, we're gonna. I guess we're gonna get into all of the things about Vivian's parents, which is really my main fascination. Um, <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> but um, I want you two. You two did a podcast recently. Yes, and that's how you know each other. No, we met in Munich. In Munich. Oh, um, that's right. Michael in Munich. Yes, when Michael had the program in, in Munich, Mysore Munich, Mike, I practiced Michael with him Scarborough. for a year. Yes, mm -hmm. yes, Michael Scarborough. And I practiced with him for a year, and just at the end of my time in Germany, uh, Harmony came and mm -hmm. did a workshop for one week, I think. It was a week, and 
of course I was there. <laughs> so that's how I met Harmony, yes. Yeah. She can be and quite then... tough as a teacher. Was that all right? <laughs> <laughs> it was really nice. I was just practicing <laughs> up to, I think it, I was practicing up to Buja Pidasana. You were at Marichyasana somewhere. Yeah. Maybe yeah, A or I, B I remember or you C. had me Marichyasana C. I wasn't binding D. Yeah. 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 I, I have a foggy memory. <laughs> I'm well, going was, back to Munich to the same ago. program. <laughs> yes, with Asta, I saw. With just Asta. Next, is it in June, right? Just in yes, a month. June, yes, yeah, June 16th to the 18th. I'll be back in Munich, which will be the first time since that time when we first met. Yeah, I've been to Munich a couple of times with Asta. When I go to Munich, I, I go practice there. I really love it, love to go back mm. there because it's a really nice community in Munich. I, the, the, What I most um, miss about Munich is the, is the Ashtanga community that, that Michael created. When, when I was there, we would go after leg class always for breakfast, and that's something that I really missed here in Tenerife because yeah, most of the, nice... the programs... Yeah, the programs go from Monday to Friday, so there's not much, you know, like getting together. Right, but like on the I weekends or something. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so you can have brunch. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so people can, can yeah. get to know each other and support each other. That's that's the beautiful thing is when we go to Mysore, right, it's to get together with yeah. like-minded yeah, people. Yeah, that. Exactly. I've said to people that if you if you do intend to make the mistake of opening your own shala, what's absolutely <laughs> necessary, critical, is that you have a, a, a like a large foyer, 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 where people can you know take their shoes off and um, they sh and really kind of get themselves comfortable because they tend to talk in that area yeah. and chat and make friends like that's where the friends are made and if you have friends then you're much more likely to stick it out and stay yes. through the course of this um it, uh, this experience which can be quite uncomfortable which is the yoga part <laughs> yes it's I think quite challenging many people don't want to approach the teacher all the time with their issues and then mm. they can mm -hmm. get talk about it with with other students and they might go in through the same things or at least they understand mm -hmm. because at the end it's a process we all been through or go through all the yeah. time <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah it's that's an interesting thing you know as a teacher um it's helpful to have that community support and that sangha um and it's nice when you can facilitate that kind of gathering and holding of that space for people yeah, yeah. I love it when I when I go out of the shala and see the people just talking or having coffee at the coffee shop next to the place, and mm -hmm. that's really nice because it's. I just opened a couple of months ago, so seeing how the community is already getting together, it's it's really. I really love it. <laughs> mm -hmm. At the same time, it's it's there's a there's a tension because you mm -hmm. you need to kind of maintain some some distance. So that you mm -hmm. you know you have the you, you're held in regard as this um, the sacred trust, the which is the teacher, being. the, the <laughs> superior being. But there's this you know that you the teacher should maintain boundaries because it's so difficult sometimes when you know the 
you're working on someone in a, in um, Kapotasana, and they you're you're just kind of buddies. It can be kind of difficult to um, to help someone through that experience. Well, that maybe that's the question. Like, is it important to have bound those kind of um, professional boundaries, or can you just be a buddy in an Ashtanga room? Yeah. What do you think, I Vivian? Th- I think it's important to have boundaries. I think it's important that students know that they can approach the teacher when they have issues. But I also think um, they need to know that they cannot like, just put all their problems, their life problems, onto the teacher. I, I remember Michael once tell, <laughs> telling that he received those big emails from people that, you know, like... Mm-hmm. Like there are things that we can help in the shala, like because at at the end when people are practicing, you can see what's going on at the moment in their lives. Like when they are really disconnected and they don't want to see inside, they're just looking around what's happening. They're not following any any vinyasa account or just you know like not not being focused at all. And you can tell that something is happening if that's not the norm. Um, mm-hmm. But there are also things that need to be solved in therapy. Not that we are not we are not therapists. We can we can help with the practice. But well, I think Michael was saying Michael uh, Shabor was saying that as Mysore teachers, we often get these very long and agonized emails uh, about our about a student's life. Yeah, I haven't and received though, any of those, but I imagine in Germany, <laughs> yeah. the Germans can be quite difficult. And I'm a German, so I can understand. <laughs> I could see you it. Can attest to it. I could see it. I've I've received I've received my fair share, certainly. And and though I'm not a licensed therapist, you know the 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 urge is there to to answer them and to help them and be a, be that kind of, you know, depository or repository of of wisdom, but it's not really a job. We're not really licensed to be therapists, are we? No, I like, I've always said that for me, this practice helps me in my daily, um, whatever I do. And if I have some, some, if there is something going on, uh, the practice brings me, this calmness calmness and peace but if there is something deeper like uh, traumas come up or i'm going through a breakup or or there are issues in my family that the practice is not the it's it's not enough to to help me out then i go to therapy you know and that's why i suggest my students too i mean you know sometimes i get students asking me about health issues and if there are asanas to help out with health issues and and they want my opinion about if they should get like a teeth out or not or some some kind of thing that i cannot like i cannot i cannot help with that you know like i suggest them to go to a professional but because it's not like you know and then it's you have to be actually very careful because then if something goes wrong, it's like, you told me, you know, it's like this. It's... Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Imagine you come Sharad, from... no? <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh, but Sharat <laughs> receives his fair share of questions. Yes, but he he, he doesn't yeah. reply. <laughs> Sharat, should I brush my teeth in the, you know, in the morning? 
and the evening like, yes mm. but you you have a, a background yeah exactly yes you have a background <laughs> of um because your mother was like a rebirthing therapist right yeah she is she is yes uh yeah, yeah. <laughs> tell people a little bit what that what that means because you also like practiced with her for a while right yeah I'm I also trained to be a, a rebirther but actually it was rebirthing that brought me to Ashtanga so I started with rebirthing and then Ashtanga came through that um and yeah so rebirthing is it's a breathing breath work it's a breathing therapy where um with this gentle it's a gentle therapy where you basically in one session you you just breathing for one hour obviously there is a, a preparation before that and also like you get to know about what's happening in that person's life what they want to work about and and uh, normally it takes about 10 sessions when you've never done it before to just regain to the natural way of breathing because first first what happens is that we get born and first thing trauma right so we come out of this mm -hmm. peaceful uh, environment normally it's a peaceful environment and in inside our, mo our mothers in the womb mm -hmm. and then we go out and if we had like a normal what's considered a normal breath we are in hospital with this crazy lights and everybody's stressed <laughs> the father yeah. is maybe absent or not but you know like <laughs> the mother is afraid or or there is a cesarean or you know they have to use the forceps yeah all of that it's it's a trauma and so first thing what happens when we come into the world big trauma <laughs> so with <laughs> with rebirthing uh, it's 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 about getting over these traumas that we get in life being the biggest one the birth trauma mm -hmm. so so what they basically what they say is that when something big happening is is something big is happening in our life like this birth trauma gets reactivated and and if we don't if we don't first is to get aware of it and yeah. then we can work on it you know like for I, I can give you an example My, myself I I was born um I'm the second one with the first with my brother my mother was still studying. She was in university. She was 21 years old and then she got pregnant with me and was like, oh my God, now I can't do it anymore, right? So mm -hmm. I, I wasn't expected. I wasn't desired. Doesn't mean I wasn't loved, but for me, it's like I've always felt in all my relationship that I wasn't loved. You know, I wasn't mm -hmm. desired. Yeah. So now that I'm aware of it, I know that that has something to do with me, not with the other person. You know. Right. So yeah. that's an example. Or, or I was born early, so I tend to be so early like I get nervous if I'm not 15 minutes before the it's for me it's late already and then I always end up <laughs> waiting for everyone which happened when I was born because I wasn't expected in another three weeks so ah, yeah <laughs> that's, that's yeah. so interesting because it, it really sort of suggests and I think that that proves true because any any mother knows this who watch their children grow up that the the patterns of a of a baby are the you know they they develop and extend naturally throughout uh the child's life they you know the your mm -hmm. child harmony yeah. jediah 12 there's some some scars there there's some some scars <laughs> there like for me you know when i 
came out into the world, you know, I was going through cocaine withdrawal. And still mm. today, I'm looking for that um, a dopamine fix and everything yeah. that I, I do. You know, where is my attention? Exactly. <laughs> You well, could do really, with some rebirthing. I'm pretty good, I think. <laughs> do they use well, the holotropic breathing, Vivian? No, the holotropic breathing, I think it came through it. It came from it. But okay. rebirthing is actually very, that's, I think it's, it's very similar to the breathing we do in Ashtanga, just without the sound. And it's just, you okay. inhale and exhale through the, through the nose and it's like a circle so you inhale and you exhale the same amount but this you you do in actively mm. just not not very slow mm. actively otherwise you fall asleep and for yeah. an hour so what what's what tends to happen is that at some point we don't want to keep doing it because that's when we are just about to get into something that the subconscious doesn't want to work on mm. and and mm. people fall asleep i used to fall asleep a lot because I'd rather sleep than have to look into all these <laughs> traumas, you know. <laughs> Me too. And then <laughs> yes, and then the rebirther is there to keep you awake. And then you know, you might get upset with that or <laughs> right. <laughs> You're like, yeah. let me just sleep. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think a friend of my mom, she she she's a rebirther and she she used to fall asleep in all her sessions and then when the, the person who was rebirthing her was telling her, okay, well, I'll just charge you a hundred euros and you sleep. <laughs> then she started breathing. She, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <wow. Yeah>. <laughs> you you <laughs> know, it's super, it's super fascinating. You, you're talking about your mom. She sounds like a kind of um, interesting or maybe very different kind of German lady yeah my a, parents a are both kind of kind of special <laughs> yeah they're they're bavarian uh, they were farmers and then so, um they yeah moved to um the... yeah so my family history is 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 quite uh interesting my my mother she um so my mother's mother um never married until my mom moved out so she was the her the father of my my mom's father was one quarter jewish so he had to be hidden in during the world war from he was from mm. from budapest and so oh. because he didn't have um four grandparents who were not jewish yeah, yeah. Um, so, so he was then hidden by a couple and he fall, fall in love with that, with that woman and she fell in love with him. So they were like, and he was with that woman all until she passed away. So, but at that times, I think it was just normal to have several relationships at the same time. Like she was having, she was married and then she had my grandfather as a lover. And I think probably somebody else yeah i think that is quite normal <laughs> yeah, it's still it still is no <laughs> yeah i think you hear about that sort of thing yeah so so yeah. my mom was raised by my grandmother or by herself mm -hmm. uh, so she never had this father figure like he would come maybe once in a month and so she would get upset my mom because she didn't she then didn't have the attention from my from my grandmother 
So mm. that that's one of her biggest traumas, right? <laughs> So she had to work a lot in that area. And then, so, and she married my father when she was 21 and she was, my father, my grandfather wasn't, was against it totally (laughs) because my, Mm. my grandfather was, he had money, you know, like he was in good situation and just to say that my, uh, my family also escaped uh, Hungary. We actually just, just one wow. of them. The rest were shot, but most, yeah, yeah just wow. yeah, all of them were shot except the one, the grandmother. Yeah, yeah. my my yeah. grandfather's yeah. mom passed away. She she died in Auschwitz. Yeah, so, yeah. That they wow. they didn't even make it to Auschwitz. They just were shot in a shooting wow. pit, and then she crawled out and made it to um, Detroit on a wow. uh, by stowing away on a on a boat, which was nice. Yeah. Wow. And this was your grandmother? Uh, yeah, I mean, to be fair, it is my brother's grandmother. Uh, okay. My yeah. half brother, you know, but um, yeah. it's family's family. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So. Um, so, yeah, my father always wanted to have a farm and but he grew up in Munich. So it's not like he knew ah. much about it, but he just wanted to have it. And, oh, he wasn't yeah. born into a farming family. He was no, like no, one of no, these no. hippies that wanted yes. to go back to the land. Yeah. That's yeah. what my older yeah. brother would say. Like my parents yeah. were hippies that that moved from Germany into one small island to the Canary Islands. <laughs> yeah. like, now that I'm like a mosquito that I'm coast older, kind of situation, they might have been <laughs> hippies. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Were there yeah. organic meat farmers? Is that right? Yes, that was that was uh, what my father was doing. Yeah, and then after, and then when we moved to to Spain, then he became like strict vegetarian. He was like, I killed so many animals in my life, I don't want to do it anymore. But I think he's eating meat again now. <laughs> <laughs> But he actually told me like he would he would go to the like take his animals to to the slaughterhouse and tell the 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 owner to um, kill his animals first because he realized that when they when when another like when the animals heard how the first ones get slaughtered they they will contract and the meat would get watery. So this uh, thing that animals don't feel and all that, it's like, that's I mean, we know it's bullshit, but it's like, yeah, yeah. you can like, it's a fact. Yeah. 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 No, you know, what's so interesting. I was doing some, uh, Slaughtering. no, some breath work this morning uh, yeah, yeah. and the, my, uh, one dog who's quite sensitive to human energy she came over and she really thought I was dying I was like lying on the floor doing like some holotropic breathing and she came over and like started like licking my face and trying to like get me to get up to sit up and revive yeah she was like a total emotional support animal she was really interesting she's emotionally supportive yeah Yeah. she was so sensitive to what was going on she was like oh no this is like you you look like you're choking to death i guess i don't know (laughs) yeah yeah, i think you can't think think that animals don't have emotions yeah no yeah 
So he was a farmer in Germany and then moved to Spain and became a vegetarian. What was he doing in Spain? They were moving to paradise. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Um, So so I think because the farm was so much work when, so I have uh, two brothers, one older brother and then my younger brother is five years younger than me. And I think that uh, when my mom got pregnant with my younger brother, she was like, now I want to have time for, for my kids because mm-hmm. it was just so much work. And mm-hmm. um, my father didn't want to stay in this German um, philosophy that you have to work, 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 and otherwise you're nothing, you know, just money, money, mm-hmm. money. And yeah. uh, also because of some health issues, he had an accident when before he met my mom, which they they all wanted to cut his leg, but he refused. Oh, so wow. he got like a, a bone from somebody else or something like that. So uh-huh. he could keep walking. And so in the winter in Germany, when it gets really cold, it was really hard for him to, yeah. to do all the work. So it was most, more work for my mom. Mm-hmm. So he was thinking on, he had planned, like not planned, but they were thinking about moving maybe to New Zealand. And uh, my mom went on a holiday when my br- little brother was one year old and she went to La Gomera, which is one of the smallest island here in the Canary Islands. Mm-hmm. And uh, then she called my father and said, I am moving to La Gomera. <laughs> if you want to join, <laughs> <laughs> otherwise I'll do it by myself. <laughs> oh my gosh yeah well there you go and yeah and then basically i think uh this was like november or something and then easter we went all together and they bought like a ruin you know like a run down house Mm -hmm. it was just some walls and that that was easter and in april my father went and my brother and me we went with one in may yeah. And the first three weeks we lived in a tent. <laughs> wow. Yeah, because How I, old were you? I, I was uh, seven. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's, <laughs> so, so that's very um, uh, unconventional. It, yeah, very and unconventional. Did, yeah. It, <laughs> and I, it sounds like this, like they, they did, it sounds, I've got, I, it says here that they, they divorced when you were 12. And so I'm wondering if that situation was a bit more stressful than the paradise it, it had presented itself to be. Well, I think it was, um, so for a couple of years, they didn't work because they sold the farm. And with that, they bought, like in Glagomera, you could live very cheap because yeah. we didn't need much. And uh, so I think for like two years, they didn't work. And then my mom started working in a little hotel, which Mm -hmm. she ended up um, renting. And uh, so being in charge of it, of of all of it for a couple of years. And I think just that it was just at that point when they got divorced. Uh, I think that maybe she just realized that there was more to it. I don't know. She said she started having like heart race like her her heart started racing so then she 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 went to therapists and tried to to figure out what what was happening there and the only thing that kind of like stopped it is when she moved away when she left the family house and we went i like my family we went i like my siblings and and i we went all with her 
So that was, I think it was also very hard for my father because he was very family focused. So she she just found your father quite triggering and it would start heart palpitations. Could be, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is that, is that what's yeah. happening to you, Harm, when you see me? Is that, the, is that what's going on? I don't know. Possibly. Possibly. <laughs> that's what's going on. All right. Yeah. And then shortly after that, you it move you you moved out. You went off on your own. You lived by yourself yeah. for a while. This yeah. So my mom then she she stopped work. She stopped running that hotel, and then she she got a job in another town. And um, so my older brother was already um out. He was studying and in in another in i think he went to granada yes he was studying in granada and my younger brother obviously went with my mom but i just had one more year to finish um the before the preparation to the university so this was Mm -hmm. with 15 and i refused to go with my mom and leave my friends so Ah. my but it was my father was living just down the road I had a dog and I, I basically go to school and then go home. And yeah, I, I, I sometimes I'm thinking like, oh, my God, I lived by myself with, when I was 15. But it was just a couple of months. And then I then the whole year when I was 16, I was staying in a in a where, like there was this place where we could all the students that didn't live uh, close to the school because La Gomera is a small island, but but still like having to drive one hour every day here, it's, it's not, it's not, um, it's not very, yeah, it's very practical. (laughs) I mean, now I lived in Australia and you drive an hour wherever you want to go. So (laughs) that's like the minimum, no, but now that I think like, how is this possible? Like it's an hour drive, like people could just drive every day, but (laughs) I don't know. So, so I, I was, they allowed me to to stay there for during the week so it was very fun you know like sleeping we were just four four girls staying there it was really nice oh cool yeah so so almost like a boarding school situation kind of like yeah 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 Yeah. i've always been very independent (laughs) yes clearly can i ask you a question i'm 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 curious because i'm just thinking about a person's dharma and it's it's actually I feel the same in my own life but your parents are are uh, moved to Spain from Germany they are uh, very interested in 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 farming and maybe a, a redesign of society altogether and you decided to study fashion design and it's it's an interesting choice to me because it, it, if you had said I decided to study agriculture, or yeah. um, and maybe you know, but fashion design is an interesting choice to make. What what was the call for you? I think my grandmother, my father's uh, mother, she she uh, for a while she worked sewing, and she always would make my make me dresses. She made my communion communion mm. dress and. And I don't know, I think maybe that's why I, I liked to, to just create things. And yeah, because I went to university for um, bus- to bus- business 
but mm-hmm. it was I, I was there for six months and I left because we had to do like this this pyramid when where you put where you want to be in 15 years and what you should be mm-hmm. doing now you know and I, I wanted to have a fashion like a brand in 15 years and then I, at, the, mm-hmm. at the what should I be doing now was like I need to buy a sewing machine and I should be yes. taking classes in sewing and then right. you know and I was like what am I doing here so I I finished that work that that work we had to do that assessment and I gave it to the teacher and then I left <laughs> <laughs> he said thank you very much yes. I'm on my way yeah. yeah and it's a shame because what you really should have done is gone to law school if you wanted to <laughs> do sewing yeah <laughs> that kind of sewing that's, yeah. that's that's the kind of confusion that with the young people you know they they miss their dharma sometimes um uh, I, w- I was not very good at studying like this kind of like oh, i get bored easily yeah, <laughs> yeah. well i'm I- this this so I, what kind of brings us now to a kind of crisis that occurred in your life and I'd, I'd like to see if you could if you could talk to us more about that because you said you were having anxiety attacks you had a, a very toxic relationship and then you started struggling I think with your weight a little bit and I wonder if you could if you could talk yeah. to us about this whole <laughs> sure this whole period in your life so uh, what well, I struggled with my, with my weight, I think since I was 12, like since the hormonal change, I think mm-hmm. that it started. But um, basically what happened is that I finished my studies and came back to Tenerife and moved in with my mom again. So first of all, I was losing my independence. I didn't have any money. I didn't have a job. I didn't have a car. So I had to borrow my mom's car and so everything was like shit (laughs) and so um somehow I would wake up at night and like half of my body was uh, asleep you know like I and I, Mm -hmm. I wanted to vomit and I couldn't breathe and I remember even going to the to the emergency with my mom and so weird because you know that never happened to me um and then I uh, so I, I got into a relationship, which obviously was toxic because I wasn't happy in my life. I was a very unhappy person at that moment. And um, what would I attract? Obviously, something that wasn't going to make me happy. <laughs> right. yeah. A match, a vibrational match yes, for that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, like all my, my friends at that point, they were in relationship. I was the only one who wasn't in a relationship, you know? So that was like, oh, mm-hmm. finally I am in a relationship, you know? And mm-hmm. also because I always struggled with my body image and I always felt like I wasn't good enough. Uh, this was like, wow, I'm somebody who likes me. Somebody wants me, you know? Mm-hmm. But he, he was quite toxic. He was, uh, he was in the army and he, he, yeah, he was quite aggressive and mm-hmm. yeah, so luckily it didn't last long, but we we got to move together and um, yeah, and then, well, he hit me a couple of times and then once, like the second time, I think, or the, 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 the first time he hit me in the face, I was like, okay, that's it, I have to get out of this because I yeah. always knew that I wasn't, I always knew that I didn't deserve that. That was the good part. I, I knew that I was not, yeah. I didn't deserve that. So I I got out of it. I, I, I went to the police because I knew that 
the only way to stop this was to to get like to get this cleared out to get a restraining order and also that this the, the main thing that why I went to the police is because I didn't want it to happen to the next one because it happened already mm -hmm. to the previous one but I didn't know that <laughs> right uh, yeah. yeah yeah but this was like after that I was very depressed of course mm -hmm. and and that's when I started like doing rebirthing for myself because my mom she always like she always um so she started with with um self like with helping like with spiritual things since i don't know since i was 14 and she always would drag me along and i would do it yeah. because it would make her happy <laughs> and yeah. that's what we we do as a woman right make everybody happy yeah <laughs> yeah um, but at that point, I did it for myself, and that's when I, I really worked. It didn't work before because I wasn't doing it for me. Right, it might have worked a little yeah. bit, but not, not like really. Yeah. So it was my lowest low, but I think it was the best that could happen to me <laughs> because I wouldn't be here now. <laughs> mm. yeah. yeah. And what, what, what did you notice started to shift for you doing some of that like personal development work and the rebirthing and what what changed well i actually i think like everything changed um after after that happened so whilst i was in this in this relationship i also got a job cleaning so i hate cleaning like i i hate it <laughs> oh like, I, I i really don't enjoy it you know sometimes i yeah. i do enjoy it but my cleaning my house but cleaning for others it's like come on <laughs> and yeah. um so so that was another thing i wasn't happy about but so as i as i uh, ended things with this with my ex-boyfriend then i uh, also lost that job and mm -hmm. then i started a job in a fashion company which was amazing i was working as a pattern maker and a quality control Mm -hmm. uh, in a new brand that was starting and and I loved it I was really so but I think it like had to do with that I already started with the rebirthing like uh, kind of like my my self-worth changed and and at the same time I started so I started rebirthing got that job and then a couple of months later started um, with Ashtanga and mainly Ashtanga was the biggest change for me because with the practice I so at that point I, I when I started Ashtanga I think I was way my my weight was like I think in pounds 280 like 130 kilos and mm -hmm. I couldn't even like stand more than five to ten minutes without my back hurting mm -hmm. so I uh, started Ashtanga and I didn't even know it was Ashtanga. It was just, I started yoga. It turns out it was Ashtanga, but I didn't even know there were different types of yoga. Or, but yeah. I, I just, with the practice, I, 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 at the beginning, I just saw all these changes happening so quickly. Like, it was amazing. I started to fall in love with my body again because I realized how able it was because I always seen it as a, as a problem, as an impediment. Right. And, and, yeah that's how I fell in love with the practice because I've started to fall in love with myself again basically <laughs> I wonder yeah. if you could talk at all about walking into the yoga room 
for the first time and how the 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 teacher in that room how they received you because it clearly sounds like you had a very positive experience in an you know an uncomfortable situation a yoga class is uncomfortable by design yeah but it sounds like you you were received well and that it didn't turn you away where I, I think some people can feel like they look at the yoga room and they say oh that's not for me that's for mm. skinny white girls um this but you entered this room and somehow this room received you yeah. and you felt like this is you could identify with this room I wonder if you could talk about that well I actually don't remember really how it was when I came in but I have this image of just myself, I don't dream, I like I don't have an image of anybody practicing next to me. It seems like I was alone in this room, which I probably wasn't. <laughs> but, <laughs> but but yeah, it's like like I I never compared myself to anyone. It's so weird because now when while I'm teaching, I'm I I do see what's happening. But when I was practicing by myself, like in in the Mysore room, I didn't realize what was going on next to me until maybe one year in the into the practice mm. so weird yeah I never even looked I didn't well because I didn't know there was like a uh, established uh, sequence of asanas or, or anything about it I just I just did what my what my teacher was telling me and my teacher Griselda you met her uh, harmony she is yeah. um she's normal she's a normal person too like everybody of us are but i think in in uh here in tenerife in la laguna like we get students that are just normal regular people that just want to have one hour of yoga twice a week and mm -hmm. and um and keep on with their lives like then it's not the typical Mysore room like you'd have in Australia and mm -hmm. Sydney or I don't know in New York I don't know and mm -hmm. I think that's what made it so so different but I never felt that in any like I never felt what you're saying um Russell in any of the Mysore rooms I practice and I've practiced all over the world <laughs> So, um, yeah, I don't know. I think this practice is quite inclusive. It probably mm -hmm. it's a point of view of the of the person itself. Like, yeah, I I got recommended to practice with Griselda by by two different people, and I wasn't. I think there was there wasn't any other Ashtanga teacher at all in the island. I don't know. There was much yoga happening ten years ago anyway in Tenerife. So there yeah. weren't that many options. I was it lucky was... that it was Griselda. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And she's so, she's so relatable too. And yeah. um, just really, yeah. Like you say, she's a full figured woman with a lot of energy and very yeah. disciplined and she's very easy to relate to and very also nurturing at the same time and kind of, um, yeah like militant yeah. but motherly <laughs> <laughs> yes and she never and she never ever um told me that I wasn't going to be able to do an asana I like for me it was like still it is I'm like I struggle in so many asanas and uh like for for I I remember when I started with Pashasana just not not that long ago <laughs> a couple of years ago <laughs> and I was like 
took me I, it took me like six years to get to catch Marijasana Diva myself. So I was like, Pashasana, this is never gonna happen. Like never, impossible. But I was 100% sure. And then I think one and a half years later, then somehow I catched one side by myself once. I was like, wow. So see, she believed well, in me. I did it. <laughs> well, I think it's. I think this is an important point is, is that it's really a question of what you mean by accomplishment. And yeah. you know, if you do the posture, does a bind mean you're that's the only time that you're doing the posture you know so like marichiasa oh, yeah. d is only yeah, yeah, occurring yeah. if you have a hold of your fingertips or is you know or is no. it your wrist or yeah. is it just the elbow no. on you know towards the knee and i think know, as much as you can just as much as you can bind i mean we you work on it as much as you can and still you get the benefits because for me when i see like like skinny long leg long arms girls doing marijasana d there is no twist at all whilst i'm doing it without almost touching my fingers there is the deepest twist you can ever get so <laughs> what is it like <laughs> who is doing the pose more yeah, yeah. who's actually doing a pose that yes. uh, affects them yeah yeah so where is the benefits of the pose? It's the deep twist. It's not the catching yeah. of the, the people that catch their elbows in Marichasana D without even without feeling even, anything. Feeling yeah. anything, yeah, yeah. We were talking about this with someone I think a, a week or two ago, where you know the so you it, you're very lucky if you can experience sensation early, so that you understand early how to train your mind to it to to suffer the sensation which is mm. the point it's yeah. a training it's emotional response training whereas if you don't feel anything until fourth series then you're quite unlucky because you yeah it's going to take you a long time before you actually feel anything and then train your train your your spirit to endure yeah yeah i i i always Remember this when Sharad always says there, there is you're not practicing more yoga because you're practicing more asanas. Mm -hmm. And I I see people that that are practicing just standing posture and they're practicing more yoga than somebody who's doing second series or mm -hmm. third. Yeah. I I I remember one trip to Mysore um, when I think it, it was already in the new shala. I think it might have been my second time with Charaj or third. And there were, and I was hanging around with all these authorized teachers. I wasn't authorized then. And I, the, the, it was my second trip and I was um, doing full primary. And so what happened is that the first trip I was in my in Marjasana D for a couple of weeks and then he let me go on to when I when I got to bind with help but I could hold it by myself then I got to he, he gave me the up to Bujapidasana and then uh, the next year he let me just finish full primary mm -hmm. on the first day in the lead class and and then I was there the two months working on full primary and the dropbox right I wasn't getting up from from the dropbox and I was sitting on this table with all these authorized teachers and they were like, this was just at the end of the trip. So, so, and what are you doing now, Vivian? I'm like, 
full primary. What? You did you haven't got any new asanas in two months? And I <laughs> left this table feeling so bad because I yeah. like I hadn't even realized that I was that that I wanted like that, you that, that a... wasn't normal <laughs> that I had to get another asana. <laughs> yeah. I was I was so happy that I was doing already full primary. It was half mm. more than I was doing the the trip before and I was right. working on on dropbacks like uh, I wasn't planning on getting something else but I left that table feeling so bad and then I realized yeah. wow and these are authorized teachers this is horrible <laughs> what? Yeah. I haven't understand anything mm-hmm. yeah that kind of misery is is one that I'm very intimately familiar with <laughs> is because you know uh, the the experience for me of doing yoga had been very insular very internal yeah for for a decade of just doing yoga in my room or you know maybe I'd go to a class but I wasn't really wasn't really paying attention to anyone else and then you know, I did become quite full of myself and my ability. And I went to Mysore the first time and I was, you know, you meet people like Olaf or Mark Yao or, or Luke Jordan. And he's like, oh shit, you know. The LaRuga. I didn't, I <laughs> never met to, her. In you my need sur- to say something. I never, that people can relate to. I never, I never met her. I know. <laughs> I think I've- A very flexible, strong person. I still have never met her. So anyway. <laughs> No, actually, I think I met her in New York. Yes, I mean, perhaps, you yeah. So, you know, you meet, you meet like John Baldwin, but, you know, at the time I was just overwhelmed with how like good looking, wealthy, fit and flexible all of these people were. And I was like, oh shit, this is really, I'm really not, I'm really not much at all. And then, you know, I just constantly compared myself going forward. Yeah. And then I was constantly confronted with, you know, like my, my self-image, you know, my, um, you know, uh, my ability, you know, yeah. my, my some scars, I'm, yeah. I'm not good enough, you know, my structurally, I'm not, I'm not able to compete. Yeah. And like it, that totally, forgive my language, uh, fucks up your whole ability to do yoga, <laughs> the mm-hmm. yoga parts. But it, it's also its own kind of yoga to be confronted with that that challenge, that struggle. Yeah, because if if I think that if we feel this, I feel that now every time I go to Mysore, I get into that. What? Why am I not? Why am I yeah. the whole trip again working on Dropbox? You know, like why right. doesn't he see that I cannot get up? Just give me the next asana. <laughs> this, is, yeah. this, this was my thinking. Like because I had this different body type, I was like, oh, sure, he will see this. How much I'm struggling, how hard I'm working, and he will let me go to the next asana without getting up from Dropbox because it's obviously not going to happen, right? <laughs> this was my thought. <laughs> And, and he wouldn't, and that would frustrate me a lot. And, but it's a feeling that I suppose I get normally also in life. I don't have patience and I have much more, mm-hmm. imagine, I have much more now that I, that I practice, but imagine without practicing, I am an impatient, impatient person. And um, so when I go to Mysore, I think that this, this feeling of I'm not good enough, this, this, um, lie that I tell myself or that is so into my subconscious it just gets activated because in India whatever we have to work on just happens it 
goes very quickly there. And <laughs> I, I, I'm lucky that I, I'm, I'm aware of, I try to be aware of what's happening in myself and then I, I can work on it. But that's the magic of India, magic of Mysore. Mm -hmm. For me, it's like, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's the magic of, of having a space where you're able to completely focus on your own spiritual or you know yoga practice on your own personal development and yeah. you're basically on vacation for a couple of months so you don't have to deal with all of the things like laundry and cooking food and I mean you can if you want right <laughs> but there's people yeah. around who can support you in this that you don't really have to worry about it and so you can kind of do this deep dive into your awareness and also you're out of your cultural context so you don't have mm. any of the things reinforcing your identity so now yeah. it's just you in a completely new context and you're it's like encountering all of your patterns and ideas and beliefs for the first time because you can see them so clearly because they're not embedded within the context around you mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and yeah, so it, it, totally. everything feels like it's on the surface right because because it's unfamiliar outside of yeah. this, those surroundings. But I think you bring up a really beautiful point also in that there's something like with the practice, and this is such a, it's like a, a paradox. And it's also, um, I think the fine sort of razor's edge that you have to learn to manage and walk as a teacher of this practice, which is like not buying into someone's own understanding of their limitations, right? So not yeah. feeding those limitations because, you know, if you argue for all the reasons why you can't, of course you never will. And so as a teacher, you have to hold that stance or that belief that your student can, right? That yeah. it is possible. And you, yes. you talked about that, like, with Griselda, who's able to kind of like, she was just very encouraging and like, but also firm in like, no, you can do it. And like, really like holding for you and believing in you when even you didn't believe in yourself and Sharat kind of doing that same thing as well. But then there's also this other um, sort of the other side of that razor's edge is also making the practice inclusive and not reinforcing this belief that you're only doing the posture when you can do it this particular way. Right. Yeah. And so that's such a, it's such a paradox because, um, you know, the posture is going to look different for everyone. It's going to feel different for everyone. And it might not be binding those hands and it might not yeah. be standing up from dropbacks. And so knowing when, is it time to move somebody on or when is it time to hold that they can do it? Right. It's such a, it's such a learning curve, yeah. I think for teachers and also sort of an interesting space to be in and to be presented with, um, you know, when do you give in or when do you give <laughs> more, when do you hold back that kind of yeah. um, dance that you're doing with each of your students? Yeah, um, so I'm learning a lot, <laughs> so much. Um, um, but so at the moment, what, what I'm mostly focused is when the mind is calm in the asana, 
mm-hmm. even if there is no bind and we've been working on it for a while like I don't know, like Marichasana D or, or Supta Kurmasana or Garba Pindasana, all this, like I, I'm more like, I, because I have students that are doing half second or a bit less than half second mm-hmm. and their mind is so not calm. <laughs> like, yeah, right. of course. And then there, there, there are people who, just started two months ago for the first time Ashtanga and they're doing uh, up to maybe Marijasana A and they have an amazing focused practice. Mm-hmm. So so it's so those people who have a very agitated mind, I'm letting them work on the focus of the practice more than in the asanas. I want them to to be able to not look what's happening around, to be able to breathe, to be able to, to uh, just follow the flow, the vinyas. They just they should just breathe the vinyasas and you know don't focus on whatever is happening and don't um, wait before you get into the posture to fix your hair or mm-hmm. look, you know like all this we do in in order to not get into the posture. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this, uh, is for me more important than getting the, the asana like completed as it's supposed to be in the, in Charat's book, no, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but I do let them work for a while. And then I, I think as a teacher, you can actually tell if the, if the, if the person is able to do it soon or maybe they have to work on it for a longer period. Mm-hmm. Um, but like what happens a lot is this Marijasana D or B, like the just the half lotus is, is hard at the beginning. So they have to work on that, that for a while. That's mm-hmm. that's a must, all the, the hip opening has to happen. So what's the point to keep going if you, the, the hips are not open enough? It's not like they have to bind properly, but just be able to hold Marijasana without, you know, without falling on the side. Mm-hmm. Or just an a B or or D, um, but what I've learned because I struggle in every asana. It took me <laughs> a long time to get every asana. Yeah. I know it's possible, but it might take years. So that what when that happens is that it's you have to have first a very good teacher to support you, and second um, patience, <laughs> which yeah. is, which nowadays is even less possible because we can get everything we want just you know ordering on uber apps or you know Uber exactly. Eats or, i mean you know all this you can get everything yeah. you want at the moment so then you I get into a, this room and you have to just... yeah delayed gratification i, I did I, I once ordered bujapidasana on uh, uber, uber, uber eats, eats you know, and it came very quite quickly with a veg korma on the with side veg korma on the side yeah it's delicious <laughs> I know Prutihi as a as a dessert. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I I'm it's interesting. I want to hear your opinion on this because there's this this notion of um that the, the posture when accomplished should have a little uh a little sweetness and it should be strong, this And and yet um we to you can do this just sitting down, you know, just, you can do Padmasana or, or, you know, um, uh, just, just 
uh, oh, I forget, I cannot remember the name of the posture where you just sit there with crossed legs. Um, and you just sit there and you can have um and be fine. But it, or you can do Marichyasana D and you can under you can go through this enormous um pain. challenge, <laughs> pain, struggle for years and years and years. And then you have Shteram Sukhamasanam. Like if I don't bind, I can achieve Shteram Sukhamasanam no problem. Or I can <laughs> bind and then be unsteady for a period of you know eight years and then have Shteram Sukhamasanam. Like what is the what is the balance? What is the balance of accomplishment? You know, you know, so I was just fine in the room, not trying very hard. <laughs> and then now I'm being asked to try a little bit harder for what I don't know. And then eight years <laughs> later, I have Sukhamasanam again, but I had it when I walked in. If I just sat there and did nothing. Well, you have it for a long period until you get to Marichasanadi. So you, you have it all the asanas before that. And then there is a little challenge yeah. or maybe a bigger challenge. And there's a little challenge. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I, challenge. I like the challenge. I like it because every time then I overcome a challenge, it's like, wow. And it's not wow about the practice as well, but my body finally got it. Yeah. <laughs> and my mind also, because um, like I, w- what I've learned in my own practice that like a lot of times when we take away the challenge and go to the next asana the first mm. asana like for instance you're doing marichasanadi but you, you you've been working on it for half a year and you haven't been able to catch by yourself or you haven't been able to catch with help either but then your teacher gives you navasana and then you have another challenge mm. so then the challenge of buyapidasana is not that hard anymore because you know there is another challenge that is new so <laughs> so it's like i don't like for for me it's kapotasana kapotasana i mm-hmm. hate this asana i love it when when i catch it but <laughs> i hate it mm-hmm. i hate it i hate it when i go down and i am like oh, i have to prepare myself like five breaths before i start even getting into it or 10 because like I don't have courage. I need to take the courage to get into it. But now that I'm doing a couple of asanas after that, I love the challenge that's coming to it. So I have to go through Kapodasana. Whilst before mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I don't even want to get there. You know, I, I don't want to try today. So I would, I would avoid to get there. I would sabotage myself and just do sun salutations. Or, I mean, I do it. I still do it sometimes. <laughs> Um, but that I, is that is really right, isn't it? It's like the the purpose of the asanas is to is to teach courage, and yeah. so that's why we challenge ourselves just slightly is to remember courage and to be slightly cur- courageous, yeah, and and then to confront these this boundary and and um, not um, not be not to wilt in the face of of these challenges yeah whatever they may arise outside of the room yes when my when my students or anybody asked me why you do this like why we do this i'm like Mm -hmm. you know i challenge myself every day in the morning first thing so then there is nothing that can challenge me more (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, that's right. I've already yeah. challenged myself enough, so whatever comes, I can deal with it easily. Right. Hopefully. <laughs> and and then when when have we got it? When have we learned courage enough oh, that I we can never. then go on to the rest of our know. life? <laughs> well, I do think there's. I mean, it, again, it's. I feel like it's that razor's edge. You know, there's times in your life when maybe you can use the practice in that way to cultivate yeah. more courage, more fortitude, um, you more know, will. to build, yeah, will, willpower, determination to build that sort of strength of spirit and character. But there's other times in your life when life itself is requiring those things from you. Yeah. It's requiring strength and courage and fortitude. And those times from my experience and understanding are probably not the times to use the practice also as a way no. to no. push yeah. and build into those mm. things because it's imbalanced then, right? Then you're, instead of the practice being used more as, as a healing or as a therapy, as a way to just like breathe and relax mm -hmm. and like build up that more parasympathetic response, right? You're your uh, natural ability to be and just be with yourself in that moment is probably what you need when you're facing a lot of stress in your life. When life feels easy and it's flowing, then yeah, you can kind of use the practice in that way to intensify or to deepen your courage or your strength mm. or your character. And I think yeah. different phases and stages in life require you to change and shift your approach to the practice. Yeah. Um, totally, because yeah. you can't always be pushing. You can't always be on that edge. Like, oh my God, kapotasana, kapotasana, right? <laughs> like you're not going to be, you know, in a place of grieving the passing of a parent or a new yeah. mother or um, just having a very stressful situation at work or whatever it is that you might be dealing with in your life and like have necessarily, you know, kapotasana might not be the therapeutic uh, remedy <laughs> that's going to yeah. help you to no, face it's not the rest of your day. It's not sustainable, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> I, yeah. I had a, a couple of friends um, uh, who, John Campbell was on the show and uh, early and he was talking about practicing with Noah Williams in, in California. The two of them were, were mates mm -hmm. and just did a practice together. And uh, Noah was trying to grab his thighs, you know, behind, you know, in backbends. Mm -hmm. And John looked over at him. He said, you know, Noah, Noah was a much younger man. Noah, that's <laughs> only for when we're in Mysore. That's not <laughs> like, this is not my source my source time right you don't have to do that every day <laughs> yeah yeah your life is much harder life mm. yeah, yeah so I, I think, think it, it's like that balanced approach right to practice yes. is really really important as you're as you're growing otherwise it's like you say it's not sustainable <laughs> over the yeah. long term if you're not flexible in, in your approach and so some days maybe sun salutations is enough yeah, I'm learning that. <laughs> it took me 10 years, but yeah. Yeah, I, it takes a while. Because... It takes a while. Yeah, yeah. To, and, and not feel guilty about it. You know, yes. I was always like, I have to practice every day. But of course, I was, I was just, my life was work and practice. There was not much more. And 
uh, now I have much more going on. So, so the practice needs to be adapted to it. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's also why people, you know, a lot of teachers would say you shouldn't start teaching until you've practiced yoga for 10 years, because mm-hmm. I think when you do take on a shala and you do start teaching, like, like you've done, right. So you realize how, yeah, how much energy that takes. <laughs> And then, you know, you kind of have to adapt your practice, right? To hold that space. So you, instead of having two and a half hours to do your own practice in the morning and not have to hold space for anyone else, Mm -hmm. right? And just go to Mm -hmm. your work. And it's very different when you have to, you know, fit your practice into an hour or an hour and a half and then hold space for two hours for other people (laughs) and adjusting and assisting and doing that work. And then like for you right now, you're still working another job and then go to another job and work all day. (laughs) It's it's more of an energy for you that you have to give. Yeah. Yeah. But I know that I will look back into it and I will say it was worth it. (laughs) The challenge was worth it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's a beautiful thing, but aren't you glad you had 10 years to yes. like just soak in that practice and have it just be for you and not for anyone else? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I always like, since I started practicing Ashtanga and uh, that's when I then moved to Australia, I was, I always put my practice first, but not because like of the asana part of it but because it meant that I would put my myself first like this Mm -hmm. I do for myself because I I always feel better afterwards even if I just do sun salutations no but this is practice so I it's the first thing it's the most important thing so wherever I would go in the world I would book an Airbnb close to Shala or or, mm-hmm. or you know if yeah. I go on holidays mm-hmm. I'd rather go for a workshop I don't know with Dina Kingsberg or you know like like yeah um, but, but better is also to things. run your own workshop in a place that you want to visit <laughs> then you, they pay you to visit that place that's, that's the next level or uh, hashtag pro tip yeah that's 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 like harmony she comes to Tenerife and she works and she has holidays yes I say oh I love Tenerife I'm coming back yeah next year I um yeah I I was uh honestly this this may sound funny but I was uh I couldn't sleep last night and it was 2 30 in the morning and I was just lying in bed because I I was continuously replaying the workshop that I'm going to give in Cleveland. Oh gosh. I'm so excited <laughs> to visit Cleveland. Until November. I know it's not until November, but I couldn't sleep. I was just like, oh my God, oh, then it's going to be like six months of sleepless nights. <laughs> I know. And I was so excited. People was like, well, Cleveland, it's like, but that's how excited I am about the Cleveland Museum of Art and going to, it's the best wow. museum in the country. It's uh, as good as the Met or the Art Institute of Chicago. I'm and you're so, so excited, excited to teach yoga too. So why wow. the, the art, they want me to do an art lecture. Yeah, art and yoga. I'm so excited. <laughs> I, wow, Corey Shepherd is there. Amazing. <laughs> oh, I'm so happy. Do they have an art museum in Tenerife? I'm no. sure they have. No. <laughs> but I, I'm not I'm not 100 percent sure, but I mean something yes in the library. How are you be. within 
They are have you, a volcano. Are you within walking distance of the Prado? Can I go there no, in the afternoon? In I that. have like to oh. take a, a three-hour plane to go to El Prado. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's not bad. Do you that's have a plane? Yeah, there's a plane yeah. you can take. You have a plane that many, I can take? Many planes every day. Uh, well, if I can borrow your plane, in the, I will, after my I'll server, send it I will over. go to madrid that would be fantastic um tell me tell us a bit before we we finish just like what changes did you notice in your body i mean you walked into your first yoga class at 280 pounds and what like i mean yoga itself is a somatic therapy i mean did you have a lot of emotional releases like Crying. physical changes um like did things mostly, change in yeah. your diet in your mind what what was going on well mostly at the beginning it was physical and also like emotional the way that I was relating back to my body um but mm -hmm. like in the first year I lost I think like 20 kilos that must be like 60 pounds maybe um yeah. But I, because I think it was like I started to decide that I didn't I didn't want to do anything that would harm myself. So I I was smoking at that point, just two cigarettes a day in the evenings. But I was like, OK, mm -hmm. this is not good because mm -hmm. I was in a, a toxic relationship. So I yeah. I was like, OK, which ways I am being toxic to myself? So this oh, has beautiful. to stop. So I stopped eating meat. Mm -hmm. I uh, so, like I stopped everything that I thought was harming myself and mm. so obviously the the um, way I was eating changed also mm -hmm. so yeah so I, I lost weight quite quickly and I remember Griselda once told me like she asked me oh you, you've lost some weight and I said yes and then she said but just so you know it's not necessary for this for this practice and I think this took like the most weight away oh you know yeah like, like this this expect like taking away this I need to lose weight in yeah. order to right. practice yoga you know yeah that's so beautiful that is such a freeing thing what a gift that she gave you by saying that yeah, yeah. you don't I mean that's rare I think most teachers would just you know, praise be you very and be very yeah. encouraging. Yeah. yeah, keep going. But keep for her, going. Yeah, right? <laughs> but for her to say that and just like affirm you and say you don't yeah. need to change, just you know, you just keep coming is, in a way, yeah, like you say, so freeing because yeah. it's you can yeah. just be who you are now. Mm, I have I have friends mm. that that know my they know my process and like how my body has changed and how I was before. And they, and they always tell me like, Oh, you should put like before and after pictures in your, in your website or, or in the, in the Instagram from the Shala. And I'm like, but I'm not selling a weight loss program. I'm selling yeah, a spiritual practice. Right. So, so I, I, yeah. I don't need people to know that because this doesn't mean that this practice will make you lose weight. It's practice right. will bring you peace if you if you work on it, <laughs> but mm -hmm. it's not. I don't want to sell it as a. It's gonna fix your body image if you if you have a problem with it. Might fix your body image if you have a problem with that, but but it's. I cannot promise you that you're gonna lose weight, you know. Because it's <laughs> and the, I don't want to promise it to really, you either. 
yeah. The, the, the issue there is really the social construction about what is ideal, yeah. yes. which is extremely variable through time and history and civilization and culture and yeah. culture. And so that's that's the problem is that, you know, a person feels that whatever, however they look is not conforming to the ideal of what they want. And if there's anything that Buddhism is, teaches us is that that's the problem. Yeah. 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 And also like trying to, again, like, like, you know, I, I think the asana is such a, an interesting metaphor in a way, right? Like you're trying to fit into a particular shape, yeah. um, you know, whether that's like with your actual physical physique, right? Your actual yeah. physical form, or you're making shapes with your body. It's like whatever shape you are is perfect the way it is. And I love that you emphasize that one of the biggest gifts you got was how you felt about your body and how you felt about yourself because if you don't get that if you don't get that that ability to to love and feel and relate to your body in a, a way that's positive and compassionate and and like you're saying you ask this question you know how am I being toxic to myself that's so powerful yeah. Um, and that's what really shifts things and really changes things. Um, not trying to like fit into that shape or into that box or into that asana because, you know, of some feeling of self-loathing or like, I'm not good enough. That doesn't mm. ever shift anything permanently. Right. But mm. developing more self-love, radical self-love, compassion, and, and looking at how am I not loving myself in my life? and making yeah. choices based on how to to do that in a more wholesome way i think is is so transformative and and you've really touched upon that those as like the lasting benefits of the practice yeah and and also now i see it as a blessing to have been practicing this this practice that i also that i teach now with this um, body that had had so many limitations, and because it took me so long to work on every asana, that now when I'm when I teach it, I have so many resources yeah. because I've been adjusted in Marjasana D by hundreds of teachers, and I know what works right. for me, but I also know that there are other options that could work. <laughs> So, yeah. you know, like, uh, yeah. and I know, like, because for me, it was, it was such a long process, which is now I see it as a blessing at the, uh, whilst I was doing, it, I was like, oh, still seven years in primary, <laughs> you know, like, when is this going to yeah. end? And, but mm -hmm. now it's like, uh, it's like, I, I know that you have to have patience if you, mm -hmm. if you want to, if you want to get deeper in the asana not even you know binding or, or get deeper in the process it takes time yeah. and so so mm -hmm. i see how teachers that that might have got it very easy and got through primary maybe in half a year or a year they 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 might struggle more in understanding what uh, a student is going through when they have a limitation that those teachers did not have so for 100%. me, it's, at the end, it's a, it's a, it's a blessing. I, mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I still struggle. It is, <laughs> it is very much a blessing. Yeah. yeah. And I, I love that too. Like you say, you know, you've, I mean, over 10 years of practicing and practicing in different places, Australia, 
you know, Spain, Germany, you've had been to many workshops, India, Mysore, you know, you've, (laughs) you've had so many different teachers and, and you've had that experience because everyone's coming around and adjusting you in Marichyasana D or Pashasana or whatever the posture is, Kormasana, and you, you get all of that. I mean, that's really, people always say to me, well, how did you learn to adjust? by being adjusted and i'm like by practicing with multiple teachers and and figuring out how they're adjusting and learn being adjusted in the posture is the best way yeah yeah that's great yeah i i um so when i started to get marichasana by myself and i like i think my second trip to mysore in my first third trip also what still happens uh, every time i'm about to get into marichasana see you see the assistants coming closer (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I can catch my Jasana C easily. Then my Jasana D, I catch. It takes me a while to get into it, but I catch and I get so up, not upset, but it's like, okay, here I come. Just leave me alone. Right. <laughs> because yeah. I'm so proud of it. I'm so proud of it because yeah. you see my body shape and you wouldn't think that I would catch by myself. So then they come okay. and they are already about to help me. And I'm like, no, I can't do it by myself. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. But, and I get I, I get so worked up just in a funny way, but I'm like, if you would see me practice, you can tell in Parfakunasana B already if I be able to catch my Jasana C and D or not. Yeah. <laughs> it, but it's I, I, like I, also uh, like experienced teacher, really experienced teacher. But I realize that I do it myself too when when a new students come in the shala and they're doing my Jasana D and uh it seems that they might not catch. I don't go straight to help them, but I do have a look from the far yeah. to see, you know, so it's normal. Yeah. I, I say it as a joke, but I do, I do like, I'm like, I can, I can catch by myself. Just leave, give yeah. me a bit of time, you know, this is my give me proud a few moment. Minutes. <laughs> this is my proud moment. Yes, this is it's... my proud moment. <laughs> It's interesting, isn't it? Like how we how we respond to even adjusting becomes a uh, an exercise in in um, in yoga. Because I remember I was in England once and I was doing Karandavasana in a shala, and the the assistant came up to me and he wanted immediately assumed that I couldn't do a you know Karandavasana and wanted to assist me, and I wanted to punch him in the fucking face. <laughs> It's like, dude, I am the fucking Karandavasana master. Like, fuck off. Dude. And and it takes some time to kind of adjust your own sense of of emotional response and regulation because yeah. you can see it as an affront. You can see it as a criticism and the inner critic rises up mm. and says like, oh, I'm not good enough because I'm getting an adjustment. But to kind of transform that moment into like oh i'm being given a gift mm-hmm. this is a gift and yeah, now i this would is, appreciate is, it actually <laughs> and you find yeah. some sense of appreciation it's like oh thank you yeah. someone else can can take the wheels for a bit but that's a that's a very difficult um transition to make as a student to receive yeah. that and and not but, feel judged yeah but i also think that as teachers and and as person as people we we tend to give help without the person needing it or asking for it so Mm -hmm. so i i really like sharat's approach on just adjusting what is necessary so when i get new student in the shala i first observe and then Mm -hmm. 
I act after observing because we tend to go like, oh, he needs help. Oh, you know, and also, mm. of course, in my is like the assistants, they're running around just to see where they can help because it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you have to help, yeah. you have to help, you have to help. It yeah. must be so stressful. <laughs> yeah <laughs> like they fight they fight over who gets to adjust whom first you know um so so i i understand why what's the hoovering around in my soul yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah so beautiful yeah no it's wonderful well we're really excited um for you to be here and to share your experiences with us. And I'm excited to come back to Tenerife next year and see you in person. Yes. And <laughs> if there's our Spanish community listening, they can listen to your podcast. Yes. Maisorando. 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 It's like Maisoring. My soaring. My soaring. Yes. That's yeah. what I mean. With Vivian. <laughs> and Simone. With Vivian Vivi and Merce. And, and Merce. Yes. <laughs> but we also no, will have fantastic. one episode in English, which is oh, with harmony. With, with harmony. And you talk about uh, Shiva and Shakti. I talked about energy. all kinds of, of things. things. I don't know. I think yeah. it's going to have to be a three-parter. <laughs> yeah. No. We 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 do it in one. We do it in one part, the English uh, version, yeah. and then the Spanish version. We we would will be translating. We will do half and half. Oh my goodness. Yeah. yeah. It was long. Wow. But we'll put oh, a link I in our show it. notes. <laughs> I loved it. Yes, I love it. I listen to it sometimes yeah. too. <laughs> Oh, yeah. that's so nice. Uh, when I and start practicing, I think about the Shiva Shakti energy and how I'm going to wake up Shiva, uh, Shakti to meet Shiva. Yeah, beautiful. <laughs> and how could people, yeah. if they want to come to Tenerife, how, how, what's the best way to do that and to practice with you? Well, if they come from Europe, there are direct flights from all over Europe to Tenerife. There should fly to the south airport i'm just five minutes away from the south airport um and if they want to come and practice in paradise <laughs> they should just send me an email <laughs> and come to the shala i get i get people that come on holiday ashtangis i come on holiday here and my dog is getting nervous now <laughs> he's and, like it's time to go <laughs> yeah she's like oh it's 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 getting it's getting fresh let's go for a walk it's been very hot here now the, the uh, last couple yeah. of days but and they, yes. they can uh, they can email you at mysoreteneriffe.com yes. is that still oh, their okay, website and yeah, they, their website and yeah. then on instagram they can also follow you Yes, they can follow me on Instagram at mysortenerife and my Tenerife. personal Instagram is viviane underscore ashtanga and then I also have the Instagram of the podcast which is mysoriando. <laughs> Fantastic. We'll have all of those in the show notes. We will put all of those in the show notes. Well, th yes. well I look forward to seeing you next year. I should be yes, around me during Easter next year so hopefully it'll be a holiday and you can come practice <laughs> amazing yes i'm looking yeah. forward to it too and thank you so much for having me it was a lovely lovely chat um i feel honored to be on your podcast 
Oh, it was wonderful. Well, thank you. It was such a blessing. Was, we were very grateful that you would come on and share with us. And I hope you have a great night with your doggy, Surya. Yes, we're going to go for, <laughs> for a longer walk now. Surya, yes. She's got the energy of the sun. <laughs> yes. She's an Indian dog too, right? No, no, but she does kind of oh. look like it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Beautiful. Okay, we'll have a wonderful, wonderful evening. <laughs> you too. Have a good day. Thanks for listening to this episode of Finding Harmony. With me, your host, Harmony Slater. You can find out more information on my website, harmonyslater.com. And I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Standing in eternity's shadow Watching the breaking